Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity.
on. Oh, and gee, are we letting the sun shine in today. And I am so excited that I get to tell you, not only are we going to let the sun shine in, but we're going to let the moon shine in too with my next guest. So if you do not know who you're listening to, you are at the Bonnie Albers On Air Show. And I am Bonnie Albers, your hostess with the mostest. Just to let everyone know, I've got my star Bonnies with me, and I am raring and ready to go. Before I actually introduce my next guest, or my guest at this time, you know I always pull a flower therapy card for the beginning of the show. And today, I pulled, oh my gosh, I love this, except I just, you know, I never think about doing it all the time. And Brian, (laughs) you'll understand why. I pulled the chakra clearing card. It's the lotus. Oh my gosh, how metaphysical is that? By clearing your chakras, you open yourself up to profound wisdom, which leads me to my next guest, who is a famous international, internationally known astrologist, Dr. Ron Cole. Talk about chakra clearing and lotus flowers. He's the most unbelievable wise man I know. So please help me welcome Ron Cole to the house. Hi, Ron. Thank you, Bonnie. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> I miss you, and so does my, my, my whole audience. We want to know all about the suns and moons and stars, and you are my perfect person to do that. You are our house astrologist, and you haven't been in the house for a very long time. And I am excited to start the day off asking you, how are you, Ron? And welcome back. I'm doing extremely well. And I wanted to comment on the fact you chose a card that has the lotus on it. You know, that's frozen water. And here, both you and I are water signs. And um, the lotus and all of the parts of the lotus are fully edible, so they can feed the body. But the spiritual essence of the lotus, not the physical, the spiritual essence can feed the, the soul and the chakras. Wow. You know what, Ron? I did not know that the lotus flower was edible. Yeah, it totally. All the parts of the lotus, uh, the stem, roots, all of that is, is edible um, because um, uh, that's one of the factors that's kind of unknown about the flower. But then the symbolism of feeding goes even deeper to the spiritual side, like I just said. Wow, I didn't even realize that. That's right. I guess that's why they chose the lotus to be the flower to open up mind, body, and spirit. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'll ever see a lotus to eat, but if I do, I'm going to try it. But it's too pretty to eat. It's a beautiful car. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's more beautiful to look. Yeah. Tell us what's happening, Ron. We're just, you know, I have so many people that want to know what the heck is happening with these big moons at each side and in the beginning of the month, the end of the month, the middle, it has nothing, uh, you know, February was like dark. I mean, what is going on in the skies, Ron? And I know we are in the Mercury retrograde phase. Yes, we are. 
Um, it's interesting that we've had some very fascinating lunar uh, full moons in recent months here. Uh, here's what it has occurred. In January, there was a full moon on New Year's Day and January 31st. In fact, that one was an eclipse. And those of you on the western part of the United States or out in the Pacific would have been able to have visually seen that one. So there were two full moons in the month of January. February, being the short month, did not have any full moons at all. And as soon as we got into March, March 2nd to be exact, there was the next full moon. And March is not over because we're getting another full moon here. And we get very closely to the ending of the month. Um, the full moon now, the second full moon in March, will be on wow. March 30th at 8.38 a.m. Eastern Time. That 8.38 a.m. Eastern Time on the 31st. So those of you in other time zones can plus or minus your location from that. In England, of course, you would advance the number of hours. On the west coast of the U.S., you would minus the number of hours. So what would happen is that's when the next full moon occurs, and it's in the month of the same month we have the other full moon, March. So this is called a blue moon, and that's the term for the second full moon in one month, the blue moon. Now, Bonnie, I want everybody to know that doesn't mean the moon turns blue because I've had actually had people argue with me saying, well, I looked at it. And it was glowing blue, or it was all blue colored, or had a blue haze. And I said, that has no meaning with the word blue moon. It does not turn blue, and it doesn't look blue, and it doesn't have a bluish tint. The reason why that term was used is it goes back to the ancient Romans. And the Romans believed blue was a very rare color in nature because maybe other than the morning glory, we really don't have any blue flowers. We have a blue sky, but when it comes to plants, flowering plants, there just basically are no blue flowers, and yet there's flowers in so many other colors. Well, they considered blue a rare color, and what they used wow. for a full moon in a month, they associated blue being associated with a rare color to a rare event for a second full moon in one month, and that's why they called it a blue moon. It's not because of the color of the moon. It's because it's a rare event. Well, that is crazy, Ron, because one is now we paint them blue. You know, you can find blue daisies in the store, but the other, and I know it doesn't occur naturally, but, you know, this just doesn't seem that rare. We have had so many of them in the last couple yeah, of months. I'm like, blue. rare? We've had two full uh, moons in, in each month, uh, the first month and the third month of this year. So since New Year's, we've had two months of blue moon. And the uh, next one is coming up this weekend on the 31st. As I said, it's going to occur at 8.38 a.m. Eastern Time. And by the way, this full moon is in Libra. It's at 10 degrees, 45 minutes Libra. So the other full moon at the beginning of March was in Virgo. They're not in the same sign because the sun has moved on and there's when you have two full moons in a month, you're going to have different signs. Like January, New Year's Day, there was a full moon, but that was the full moon in Cancer. 
And then the last day of January, we had a full moon that was a lunar eclipse. And that was in Leo. So then we had you the know, Virgo full moon at the beginning of this month and now the Libra one. Isn't that funny that the Jan, and I know this probably for me, I'm a novice, even though I've heard you speak so many years, I feel like I'm a, I'm a mature novice, but you, you had cancer being the new, the full moon at the beginning of January and Leo at the end. And both of those do not have planets that, that they don't go retrograde. They don't anything. They're like stationary, aren't they? Yes, uh, Cancer is ruled by the moon itself, and Leo is associated with the sun, and that means neither of those uh, luminaries or lights, as they're sometimes referred to, retrograde. They never back up. But the planets yeah. from Mercury through Pluto all have their own retrograde period. So I wonder what it meant in January to have a non-backed up planet in the beginning, a non-backed up planet at the end, one in emotion and one in fire. And what did it, I wonder, and I know it's passed already, but I wonder what that brought to people in this world. Did it bring in your chart that emotional fixedness or, you know, or that things were going to eclipse out of your life and not return, you know, because because you can't retrograde and come back. I wonder, like, you know, me, and I'm always questioning that, what it actually meant. I, I think it's, it, there has to be some significant knowledge about that. Well, the, there's always going to be a full moon in Cancer when the sun's in Capricorn. And that means anywhere from December 21st to January 21st. And that's when we have large family gatherings. That's when we have family get-togethers for New Year's or the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas. That's when we have special food, gift-giving, and then we have strong family unity and bonding, strong interactions, and there is what the moon is in Cancer connected with, the family, the mother, the nurturing line and lineage that runs in the family, the family heredity, the genealogy, all of that is very much connected with that lunar aspect. Um, so the Cancer full moon can only happen when the sun is in Capricorn because the sun and moon have to be an opposite sign. Now when the sun goes into Aquarius, the sign of the new age, just like that song at the beginning of the show, Aquarius, uh, then we'll have a Leo full moon because Leo is opposite Aquarius. Again, a full moon will occur only when the sun and moon are in opposite signs. Now, today, we can't have a full moon today because the moon's in Virgo. It's about middle part of Virgo, in fact, today, and it's not even in Libra yet. And once it gets into Libra, it's got to go all the way to 10 degrees, 10 and three quarters degrees Libra before it's exactly opposite to the sun. That's why it's occurring so early in the morning on the 31st, the day before Easter, Saturday, the day before Easter. Is there, well, now we're in the retrograde period and we've got this full moon. Is there any, talk about the retrograde period because we've got another planet going retrograde too, if it isn't already. Is Venus, I know you were going to talk about Venus. There will be another one going retrograde, but that one occurs about the third week of April. But that one is going to start backing up. Uh, Jupiter has already turned retrograde. It did that um, at the beginning part of March. So what's interesting is um, this Mercury retrograde 
uh, will <clears throat> go continuously from where we are today until April 15th. Now, on April 15th, Mercury will stop retrograding. Of course, that's 2018. And it's going to do this at 5.22 a.m. early morning on that day. So that means the whole business day, the whole awake day on April 15th, which is a Sunday, by the way, um, will be non-retrograde. That's the first non-retrograde day we have. Uh, by the way, Bonnie and all listeners, the retrograde Mercuries are all turning retrograde in fire signs this year. Wow. And signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Those three are called fire because they're, they have common traits. They're energy signs. They're traveling signs. They're action-oriented signs. They're busy action people. They often are good at sports or games. And uh, they've got an infectious personality that can motivate other people because they've got a natural, you know, reverse energy about them. Well, Bonnie, this full moon incurred, or or full moon, (laughs) this Mercury retrograde, excuse me, turned retrograde at 16 degrees, 54 minutes Aries. So that's the Aries retrograde Mercury going on right now. So just for your information, get out your pencils or pens in case you want to write this down. The next Mercury retrograde, once this one is over, ending on the 15th of April, the next one will be July 26th, 2018. And I mean it starts early in the day at 1.04 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, all the times I give are in Eastern Time. And that's the retrograde in Leo. Mercury will be at 23 degrees, 27 minutes Leo, the next fire sign over, and that's where the retrograde occurs. And just for your information, remember I said it's July 26th? Yeah. That retrograde Mercury will be over August 19th at only a couple of minutes past midnight at 12.26 a.m. Eastern Time. So those of you in California or the Mountain Time Zone or Pacific time zone, it will actually still be the 18th for you when it's over. But those of us here in the Eastern time zone, and certainly those of us in England and in uh, Greenwich Mean Time, it will be the early morning hours of the 18th well, of that well, retrograde. What, what does it mean? Like, we have this retrograde going now. I know people say don't sign forms, don't sign this, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, um, it's all about communication and watch your texts, watch how you speak on the phone. But is there anything more specific? Is retrograde uh, specific in each person's chart where it hits? Yes, that's true. You want to look and see where Aries is in your chart now what house you have the sign of Aries on in your astrology wheel. And you want to know that you want to see the degree of Aries. Now, let's say you've got something at, right, where we're talking about uh, 16 degrees Aries. Well, Mercury is turning retrograde right at that house cut, right at that point. So if you have the first half of Aries from 0 to 15 in a house, then Mercury will turn retrograde in the house next to it. If you have it in 16 degrees to 29 degrees, it'll be inside another house. So what I'm trying to tell you is 
Mercury retrograde um, will affect you from where you have Aries sitting in your chart right now. And you were right. It is very important if you can plan timing in your life, not, N-O-T, not to start major, big life enterprises when Mercury is retrograde. Now, I'm talking about opening the door for a brand new business, uh, signing paperwork to complete a project, um, buying some major costly item. Uh, if you can, wait and delay or stretch it out until after the retrograde is over. And for us, we know this is going to be over within a short period of time. It's, it's not going to be going on forever. So uh, it'll be over April 15th. And that's a Sunday, so we're not going to do too much activity business-wise on Sunday. Till Monday the 16th onward, we don't have a Mercury retrograde then until the ending of July. And so you have to go on with your life. Don't get too terrified by this, because I've had people say they do absolutely nothing. They don't do any business. They don't do any readings. They don't do any work. They don't schedule anything. Well, that's going a little too crazy, because you've got bills, and you've got to live in the world. But what you want to do is go about your regular business and for the major big things like buying a car, buying a house, opening the business doors for the first time to the public, uh, launching a major new enterprise, try to wait until the retrograde is over before you actually do those things. Well, that's interesting, Ron. I've got to tell you, this is so funny because it wasn't planned, but you know, I'm going to be off for two weeks after today. Till the 15th of April and we're playing all my shows from before so I, I that's a great time to reflect and look back because it's a retrograde right. on things you've done or, or or projects that you can so if you have a project and this is you know I, I'd love everybody to hear this if you were working on a project or you had a project from the past that you could bring back up in a retrograde, can't you? Or people from the past start coming back. Go ahead. That's perfectly correct. People from the past reappear. This is a wonderful time to connect with an old friend you haven't spoken to in years. This is a wonderful time to get business from the past. People that were former clients that haven't been around for quite a while, they often pop up suddenly and make another scheduled uh, business appointment for it with you for whatever they need. Um, this is an excellent time to go through your desk, go through your files, go through your desk drawers and clean things out, clear things out, throw things out you don't need, get rid of the clutter. This is a good decluttering period. It's really good also to do a little bit of spring cleaning here to go into closets, boxes, drawers, and pull out stuff you're not using, you haven't been using, you don't need anymore, and start clearing it out because it's good for uh, balance and cleanliness, organization, and getting rid of stuff that, you know, big piles of paper, go through all that pile, file what you need, discard or, you know, um, tear the rest of it up so you don't have any uh, need for it. And so this is excellent for that. And for people from the past and for restarting something that you've begun once but you did not completely finished, you dropped it for any type of reason, now you can resurrect it and start um, readdressing it again. I love that. And you know what, Ron, speaking of it on an emotional level, and I, and I feel like 
a lot of people uh, always say, well, why did this one come back? Or I haven't heard from that person in 10 years. I always look at it and I wonder what your take on it is because I know you also read Terrell and you're a great channeler, my friend. I really believe that the, the people who you haven't cleared up karma with or it didn't end the way it was supposed to end or that you get a second chance to actually either end it right or uh, a second chance with a friend or with a love per partner or with something that comes that was not supposed to end the way it did can come back around on a mercury retrograde to uh, to try to rectify what happened. How do you feel about that? That's an excellent point. People who haven't spoken to a friend or a family member in a long time, it's good to break the ice and try to reinstitute that communication under the retrograde. And also completing just what you said. If you still haven't completed uh, a union with someone, it's good to reconnect with them in your life uh, and their life. Of course, it benefits both sides for that action. The other pattern you may notice is Mercury rules both Gemini and Virgo. So in Gemini, it's the communication factor. Uh, there's business from the past coming to reschedule. There's old friends from the past reappearing. There's old people, and I don't mean by age, I mean old by time, reappearing, coming back into your life for reconnect. That's the Gemini factor, but we have to remember it also rules Virgo. And now I don't want anybody to start getting any mental imagery, but I have noticed that people's health can be a little more sensitive or vulnerable to issues or health problems or colds or flus or health complaints when mercury is retrograde. Uh, it doesn't mean this is a time of a deadly issue with health. It does not mean that. It just means that proportionally more people tend to have a sickness or a con medical condition pop up when mercury is retrograde. And that's because it is associated with the health of the body as well as communication. And that's where the communication factor with Gemini now, the first time it both comes in, that's why you say, well, don't sign any major paperwork. If you can delay it till it's retrograde and then sign it, fine. Um, don't make any kind of mental or verbal uh, finalized commitment to something because there's that Gemini side of Mercury. But we have to also remember under its retrograde, in, it brings out the Virgo side. So we need to take more nutrition. We need to watch our diets more. We need to be more nutritionally savvy under the times when mercury is retrograde. Wow, I love that. And, you know, I didn't even think of that, Ron. That's amazing. Because, you know, I was going to say that I was reading an article that said, and it kind of has to do with this because it's a health issue, but a mental health issue, so maybe it's on the Gemini side, but it also said that people are more sensitive. They get their feelings hurt more. They they they, they snap, uh, be, you know, when normally they would, would not do that. So I wonder if that has to do with the Gemini mental thinking or the Virgo, oh, well, you've got some mental issues there that have to be addressed. Because it's really weird that I read that. I was out with a group of women and the same thing. I saw them very touchy and I couldn't figure out why. Well, when I read this article, it said that because Mercury's retrograde, that people are a little more sensitive 
about themselves. And maybe that's the Virgo. Absolutely. Remember, Mercury is the mind-body connection. It's the mind energy through Gemini, communication, thinking, ideas, decision-making. And it's the body connection, meaning the health and the physical body and physical constitution. So that's where they get the old expression, people can think themselves sick or think themselves well between that mind-body connection. And we're, anytime we're dealing with mercury, we have to always think in terms of mind-body connection. And so when mercury is retrograde, mind and all of its communications and more touchy to comments and touchy to situations can happen in a verbal communicationary way, mind. The other part is our health, our nutrition, our vitamins, our minerals, our nutrients, what we eat. Uh, I try to stay away from any people who have colds or flus or infectious uh, potential viruses when Mercury's retrograde because people tend to be more virally infected easier when Mercury is retrograde. Wow. But it's not going to be forever. It's going to end on the morning of April 15th, which will be two weeks from this Sunday. And then we won't have another retrograde till we're almost at the ending of July, July 26th. So, um, you know and what? we've got a full moon time coming up between us and the, um, this weekend, we've got a full moon, which is the second one this month. And do you well, know, yeah. Bonnie, that those, those, I don't want to make fun out of anyone who's very religious, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but I, I've had extremely fundamentally orientated religious people say to me, oh, that astrology, that's all nonsense. That means nothing. That's some old superstition. How could you believe in something like that in today's world? You must be crazy. Astrology has nothing to do with me. I'm very centered in my faith. And I point out to them, why does Easter change in its date from year to year? And they don't know. And it's because wow. it's an astrological-based thing. It's an astrological-based thing. The same thing for Passover, why it changes. Now, let me explain how they determine Easter for those of you that are curious about why is it the 1st of April this year was like April 15th or 16th last year? Why is it sometimes in late March? Well, three things have to happen, and most of this is astrological. First, we have to have the spring equinox. We have to have the sun go into Aries. That's what happens the second spring starts. So we have an astrological change of the sun from the old sign of Pisces to the new sign of Aries. And at that second of time, spring starts. So that's an astrological occurrence, the spring equinox. Now, we have to go, point two, to the first full moon after the equinox starts. So whatever day the sun goes into Aries and spring starts, we have to go ahead beyond that and look for the next full moon that's coming up. And there's an astrological occurrence again, a full moon. And then the first Sunday after that full moon will be Easter Sunday. So you've got to have the spring equinox, the first full moon after the equinox, and the first Sunday after that from an Easter now, Judaism is really uh, scheduled on a lunar calendar. So we have two of those factors involved. We have the spring equinox, 
and then we have the first full moon after the equinox, and, and then the uh, Friday night for the Seder will be occurring, and that's why we are having Passover uh, this weekend. And this is interesting. This is the weekend we have both Easter and Passover right near each other yeah. the same weekend. Um, we've had the spring equinox already, and again, the uh, lunar cycles are connected to Judaism. And then we get this full moon this uh, next few days, and that's why Passover is coming up these next few days. You know what, Ron? It's so crazy. And I love that you brought this all up because, again, I, I, nobody realizes that the three kings were actually astrologists. I mean, come on, we've changed so much of history. Don't change that. So that's what I would say to those people. But, but I have to tell you this. The this is so funny. of the Bible say they were astrologers. Astrologers came from yeah. the East. Um, yeah, and the globe itself, people don't realize when they look at the Earth globe, we have the Tropic of Cancer in the Northern Hemisphere, and we have the Tropic of Capricorn in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, what happens is when the Earth is tilted, the maximum tilt for the Northern Hemisphere towards the sun, uh, that's usually around June 21st. When the sun lines up on that particular meridian line, we call that line the Tropic of Cancer because that's the day that the sign of Cancer starts. So that's on the globe of the Earth. Now, Six months later, when we're around December 21st, and the southern hemisphere is directly tilted towards the sun, that's why they're having their summer and we're having our winter, um, the sun enters Capricorn exactly on the time that it's lined up with the Tropic of Capricorn, and summer starts for the southern hemisphere and winter for the northern hemisphere. So we have two astrological sign movements on the very globe of the Earth. And people who poo-poo astrology don't pay any attention to that. Cancer yeah. starts when the sun lines up directly with the line called the Tropic of Cancer. The same thing for our winter when it lines up with the Tropic of Capricorn. Well, you know what, Ron? What's funny is I know you're coming to dinner tomorrow. Everyone, Ron and I live very close to each other. So you're coming for matzah, and then we can hop, hop, hop over to the next table and eat our Easter eggs. So that's why I love uh, because you know I, you know I do a big Jewish dinner, but you know then I also love Easter because I love the Easter eggs, I love Easter food, and and so it's so close to each other. I figured you know desserts, I'll combine them. I'll do the Easter eggs and the chocolate covered matzo and macarons all at once, so we can have everything and, and we can include everybody. But uh, it, it's just amazing to me when people look at, 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 and say, oh, poo, 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 what? It actually existed before actually religion existed. So I love all of this. And before I get to the phone lines, because I have someone who wants to ask you a question and we'll go into, you know, uh, Dr. Ron Cole, he is a, a doctor of astrology. He is very serious about his work. He does beautiful charts. I go to him. In fact, I, I, him and I are born on the same day. So we're birthday buddies. And actually, he's, you know, I said to him, which is funny, I said, I don't have anybody coming this year for Passover. And I said, but you, you're, and then I said, but you're not a friend, you're family. So I've got no friends coming this year. But, but we're birthday, we, we are born on the same day. Different years. 
because I'm a whole lot younger. No, I'm kidding, Ron. Uh, but uh, we are definitely born on the same day. And I am so happy to celebrate my birthday with Ron. There's a reason I was telling you this. And, uh, oh, I, when I get my chart done, you know, you have your birth chart done. It maxes out everything when you take that first breath. OMG. There's so many aspects to the chart. He can only do so much, but you can see everything in your birth chart. And then he does progressive charts because progression is what we do when we, when we live. So I do my progression chart, which is coming up, Ron. And, he, and it's really so interesting. Uh, Ron does do this for a living, and we'll let you know very soon how to get a hold of him. But that's the reason and why I got into this is when you ask him a question today, it's got to be on general urology now, astrology. Astrology, not <laughs> urology, please. <laughs> no, I'll answer the urology question. Um, my husband's urologist. So, uh, you know, I, I want you to know that anything goes when it comes to the stars, moon, and sky, but he does not know your birth chart, so he cannot answer anything in your personal chart. You can't say... I am a cancer. What do you see for me? Because Ron's got that mind. There are 400 billion things he can see for you, but he has to have your exact birth, birth, time, date, chart, and everything. So if you do want to get a reading from Ron, and it's like a two and a half, three hour read, please get a hold of him because, again, he is my astrologist. So you know if I use him, just like I put everybody on the show, you know, if I use them, for me, that is a great, um, a great gift to let you know that these people are wonderful. So, Ron, if they do want to get a chart from you, whether it's a birth chart, a progression, or, you know, like I'm getting surgery and I asked you about my surgical date, how can they get a hold of you for a reading? The uh, way you can get in touch with me is please write down this, the email address is you can email me at livingastro at aol.com. That's L-I-V-I-N-G, living. Second, it's all one word, astro, A-S-T-R-O. Livingastro at aol.com. And I'll be very happy to uh, address your uh, uh, situation for setting up an appointment, answer questions you have initially, in order to do a reading, I must have your location of birth, the city or location you were born at, the month, day, and year of birth, and your correct time of birth, because an astrologer sets up an exact mapping of what the sky conditions were like on that spot on the Earth's surface, on that date, and specifically at that time when you came into the world and took your first breath. And that's your birth chart or natal chart. And this is why um, when you hear astrologers on talk shows, they don't do readings like a psychic does who gives you suddenly an an intuitive energy impression. Or even I've even heard a numerologist. She would ask, well, what's your birthday and month, day, and year? And she'd break it down instantly and then give a little talk from that. But on an astrologer, you've got to actually set this up mathematically in advance and have that completed chart in front of you to answer questions about Am I going to change jobs? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to get married? You could see it in the chart once it's completed. But, Bonnie, you were right in saying that because it has to be addressed uh, as far as, like, we've been talking about information about astrology today. And that's the question I'll answer. 
And before the show is over, Bonnie, I want to talk about all the major slow-moving planets going into feminine signs, too. Well, let's do that because then we'll get to the the callers. I know one. I know one's chomping is a bit to talk to you, and I, I know you know oh, this she is, is really important. Oh, this is a big one. Go ahead. Um, yes, I love slow, that. The slow moving planets are Jupiter through Pluto, and that's Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. All of them are in feminine signs right now, and feminine signs are water signs and earth signs, all except Uranus. And I'll explain what that means. Uranus is still in the fire sign of Aries. It's in a masculine sign today. But um, feminine signs are Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. That's the water sign. Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Those are the earth signs. Those are feminine by nature and energy. Well, Jupiter today is in Scorpio, feminine. Saturn is in Capricorn, feminine. Uh, we're going to skip Uranus temporarily. Neptune is in Pisces, feminine. Pluto is in Capricorn, feminine. On May 15th, in about a month and a half, Uranus will go into Taurus and leave Aries behind. It's been in Aries for seven years. It entered it in the spring of 2011. It's getting out and going into Taurus. May 15th, and it will be there until 2025. So it's going to be in a feminine sign, uh, Taurus. Now, when that happens, every slow-moving planet from Jupiter through Pluto will be in feminine. And this has never happened in recent history. Uh, this has never happened. And the slow-moving wow. planets create permanent evolutionary change. I am telling all of you females out there, this is coming in now to be your time of truly admonitious power because the glass ceilings are going to be And these are slow-moving planets. These planets can be in these signs seven years or longer. So we have at least seven years of heavy feminine, 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 feminine sign energy. And then the quick-moving planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Moon and Sun, we'll call planets for convenience. Those can go in feminine signs quickly, too. So we're having a heavy emphasis on feminine energy in the solar system, unlike any other time in, in history or recent history. And not only glass ceilings are being broken, but you're going to see in the next seven years women rising to positions of empowerment in politics, in business, commerce, industry, in uh, companies, in directing films, in Hollywood. Um, this hashtag Me Too movement just started this trend, but since then, Jupiter went into a feminine sign, Saturn went into wow. a feminine sign, and now the last one is completing it by May 15th. So we're going to have all feminine outer planets. Now, this means there is an opportunity for unlimited direction, unlimited expansion, and unlimited breakthrough power. For women, now it's not going to be an assault against men because people have asked me that. Males have said to me, well, look, what does that mean to me? Well, it means <laughs> that you can get more in touch with your feminine side. You can get more yes. in touch with your sensitive side. You can get more in touch with your intuitive side. You can understand that we're, we're breaking the mold of centuries of male first. Male is the leader. Male is the next heir. 
uh, like in the British throne, if a female is born first, unless there's a male coming up, that will be the next monarch. But if a male is born after her, that's the next monarch. She's passed over. And uh, this stuff has been established for a long, long time. And we're seeing this change, and it's going to change dramatically very quickly once Uranus, which is the ruler of the New Age, which is the ruler of Aquarius, the sign of the New Age, Uranus, uh, it has not been in Taurus since 1935 to 1942. And what it did back then, Bonnie, was it pulled the world out of the depression. It started to get money flowing more. It started to produce greater amounts of financial availability. By 1939, four years after it went into Taurus, we had the greatest year in Hollywood history with the greatest number of blockbusters ever made in one year. Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz are just two of them. We had the great New York World's Fair, and we had great prosperity established. And Uranus did that by going into Taurus. Now it's going into Taurus again. And unless you were alive from 1942 or earlier, you never have been alive on this body and this planet with Uranus and Taurus. And it's going to go in between May 15th of this year till the spring of 2025. Well, what can we, t- and you've got me like on my edge of my seat. Tell me what, well, like, I'll oh, I love what, We're in the Aquarian age now. In 1935 to 42, we were not in the Aquarian age, but we are now. And one of the big things, and I'm not saying I'm for this or against this, I'm neutral in, in recording it or commenting on it, is Uranus is going to try to, tra- in Taurus, is going to try to transform things into virtual currency, things like bitcoins and oh, other yeah. ways of paying in a virtual cyber money way. Um, this is how I think Uranus is going to start revolutionary. Well, revolutionarily creating change this time around. It's going to create it through an electronic means and through an electronic payment means and through electronic or, um, like I said, cyber currency. Uh, I can see the handwriting on the wall even before Uranus gets into Taurus with this starting already. But this is going to be the major thrust that's going to shift over the next few years. There will still be people in the world that will never give up on cash. We have to be realistic. Not every single person is going to roll over and say, okay, virtual money, I'll take it. There's going to still be cash. There'll still be cash in people's hands. And I can't say that's going to be completely eliminated, but the way we pay for things and the way we make financial transactions, because Taurus is a sign of money. Look what Uranus did from 1935 to 42. It brought fiscal prosperity back into society and the world. This time it's a different form of, of fiscal work. It's going to be electronic or cyber fiscal action. Well, you know what, Ron? I've got to tell you, this is so crazy that you're saying this. Of course, now, you know, Lauren was dating that kid that was in Bitcoin, and he's probably a multi-trillionaire now. Um, but, and now they're not, of course. But, you know, I, I what I can't figure out, is what, what I want to tell you is, I went to a, a place that just opened, <coughs> excuse me, in Winter Park called the Glass Night. Okay, and it said no cash currency allowed, and it was the most upscale, fancy bakery, cakery, cafe that I've ever seen. And I'm thinking to myself, well, good thing because I don't have any cash. But how is cash currency not allowed? And then you're just telling me this. 
So well, I'm, I'm really telling you there will be a huge, huge, huge number of people that will resist giving up cash because they want it in their hands. They want it in their security feeling. They want it in their bank accounts. They want it in their, you know, storage spots in their house. They don't want to give up on cash. Not everyone's going to do this, but you're going to see more and more, more and more of those signs saying no cash allowed. What's happening is they're turning to virtual currency and virtual currency, uh, we have a certain subtle form of it with paper checks and with uh, uh, credit cards. I mean, they are representing a transaction of currency, but the real one is the electronic currency, and that's what we're getting. And Bitcoin is one of only many. It's one of many other virtual currencies that are out there, and they're multiplying very fast. And Uranus hasn't even gotten into Taurus yet, but once it does, there'll be a big thrust the second half of this year and 2019 and beyond as Uranus establishes itself in Taurus uh, to see businesses everywhere saying no paper money allowed. Yes, I mean, that, I just really, and I, and I understand currency and, and electronic currency and everything. You couldn't, you know, just, uh, you know, I have, Arthur has friends that play in like a Bitcoin. They, they find it, they can get it free in like a quarter of a Bitcoin. But, you know, it's going to be crazy. I, I don't think I'm ever going to learn that currency. But I, uh, but I do know credit cards and that I can use. But it is just not. Bonnie, banks are going to have issues with this too because bitcoins are a form of virtual currency and you're not yeah. using a bank. You're not putting money in the deposit. You're not putting money in the bank. You're not depositing your check. You're not cashing your check. Um, it, it's going to be a whole different way of addressing things in the world. And this can be very hard on brick and mortar stores that don't accept virtual currency because the ones that do will at first there's going to be backlash. Like there's going to be a certain percentage of people that won't go in that bakery in Winter Park, Florida and, and buy something because they'll insist on cash and they'll say, well, I won't do business with them. Um, but with time, when it becomes more and more and more the way to do things, and eventually it's going to override as the way to do things, we have to be, we have to face reality here. And Taurus, Uranus may not be uh, that, you know, we may not want to give up on cash, but we still will see less and less of usage of cash. Well, let me ask you a question. What else, Ron? I mean, Taurus, it's all about finer things and great uh, feel and smell and money and love. And then you have Uranus, boom, like just crazy. So what else besides the electric currency can you see changing or starting to move in that feminine, all-inclusive, fabulous, awesome way. Well, this is a sign ruled by Venus. Venus rules Taurus. And Uranus for seven years now has been in Aries ruled by Mars. Mars is masculine and Venus is feminine. Venus rules women, Mars rules men. And what's interesting is the planet associated with women, Venus, is the ruler of Taurus. And so we're getting into her realm for the first time in decades since it was there in the 1930s and 40s. And as such, there's going to be a lot more in this sign of the new age. I want to make that comment again. Uranus, we need to watch always carefully because it rules the sign of Aquarius. It rules the sign of the age we are in. And now when it goes into Taurus, it's going to bring greater empowerment 
to women in all areas in availability of education, in raising their salary to equality of males, raising their status, raising breakthrough opportunities for them in winning or in political races or, or winning, you know, contested issues. Also, it's going to give greater empowerment in their income, their uh, power, and their empowerment of self. Even some women who now today still have issues imbued upon them from their parents and their past conditionings about male superiority are going to start breaking through that glass barrier and see a greater strength of self and a greater empowerment with self and a greater appreciation with self and seeking out their own self-talent, the things that they have that's so powerful and unique into them. That's going to be highly valued. And you're going to see this occurring worldwide, not just in this country. Now, we already have these issues. Women are allowed to drive now in Saudi Arabia. Um, we're having breakthroughs in other ways. But these are just little beginnings. Even the hashtag MeToo movement, as important as it was, is just the beginning to what's going to happen with Uranus spending seven years in Taurus. Wow, maybe I'll be president. Finally, I'll be able to be president of the United States. I'm telling you, Bonnie, if there's ever been a chance for a female president, it's coming up now with Uranus, all the planets. It isn't just Uranus. It's all the slow-moving planets going into feminine science. Now, I know those of you that are very wise in astrology will be saying, but, 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 Ronald, uh, in November, uh, Jupiter leaves the feminine sign of Scorpio and goes into the masculine sign of Sagittarius. That's true, but it only does that for one year. By the time we get to the ending of 2019, it's in the feminine sign of Capricorn and onward. It is the quickest moving planet of these slow movers, and it will go in and out of feminine signs, but it's all feminine from May 15th till early November, and then it'll be back into feminine again a year later and stay there for a year plus. So Jupiter's in and out of a feminine sign to masculine will not matter as much, but we do have a full feminine agenda between now and November. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us, Ron, before we move into... You, now, we you're just go so into, interesting. All, I didn't need to go into all this too much, but I wanted to explain this empowerment coming up with all feminine signs. Remember, water signs and earth signs are feminine. Air and fire are masculine. We are so excited. I am so excited that things are about to change. I can feel it in the air. You know, we can feel change. Uh, all of us can feel change coming. We just don't know what it is. So maybe it's these big heavy hitter planets that are coming to bump it on, in on us and give us a totally different outlook on the future. Yeah, this is not, we've had where there have been all but two. Right now we have all feminine but one, Uranus. We've had all but one a number of times, but we never had it where that one went into a feminine sign and completed the circuit, and they were all in feminine, and that's what's happening from May 15th onward. Well, I'm awful excited, Ron. Are you ready to go to the phone lines for a few minutes? Because I know I that you have given us an... Okay, I am going to pick up Kelly, 719. Please, everyone, stay on. We've got a great, great next for you. 
And if you want to talk to Ron Cole, he will be here. 719. Ron, I, I know you were on from one to two. And then we have Angels, Angels. But can you stay to answer some questions? I can, yes. Okay. 719, you are on with Ron. Hi. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Ron. It's so good to hear your voice again. Oh, my goodness. Kelly, I can't believe I'm talking with you. I've missed you so much. I know, and it's like I my my phone hit a flush pedal a while back, and I lost all my all my all my numbers, all my everything. So it's like I haven't been able to get a hold of a lot of people. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! But Bonnie knows. What? I had a question. I had, I had a question but about Blue Moon. Oh okay. okay. <laughs> um. Because what I've seen happen, and I, and it's like I'm I'm kind of wondering. It's like um, I know that blue moons affect everybody, and what I got to wondering because I I really got to looking at these, and like the first uh, the 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 first moon in January on on January first was in Cancer, and then that second moon of the month was in Leo, and then when we went into March. The one in March was in the, the first of the month was the sign of Virgo, and then the one coming up is in Libra. And what I'm wondering, I mean, I have seen so much, I don't know, havoc, chaos, transition, whatever you want to call it, um, people checking out, pets checking out. Um, you know, it's like I got to wondering, are blue moons such a great thing, or is it, you know, I mean, because some of the stuff that's happened has been extremely uh, distressing to the people it happened to and very chaotic. Um and I'm wondering if this has to do with, you know, I mean, it's got to do with the sign, obviously, that that blue moon is in. But are they, are they supposed to be harbingers of, you know, warning, or are they supposed to be good things? Because I haven't seen a lot of really good things happening. It's like there's been a lot of, I'll say, upheaval and change. <laughs> so, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. curious about, it. and and I and I understand. I'll say this. It's like I understand, like if it's in. If it's in like, um, okay, like the ones coming up in Libra, it's like I can understand how it will hit everybody individually because depending on where your Libra is and what house and what sign and, you know, and all that stuff, it's like it's got to be affecting different people differently because it's just, I mean, there's nothing really consistent in the patterns except that it's a lot of chaotic upheaval. Well, you know, Kelly, starting with the full moon in early December of 2017, we had uh-huh. a of super moon. That means right. the moon was full when it was the closest to the Earth. And that occurred right. early December. That occurred right at the beginning of January. That occurred on the 31st of January. There were three super moons in a row. And that wow. also March 2nd, the last full moon before this one. So we had four times in a row in which there was a full moon in which the moon was at its closest to the Earth, its perigee, as it's called. Perigee is when right, it has a optical orbit. It can swing out further from the Earth and then come in closer. And during the rain, close to the Earth, we have a super moon. It's about 18% bigger and brighter. Well, it's more powerful. And so these full moons right. starting early December, which was a lone moon that month, and then the two in January, a regular the blue moon, and then the first one of this month, of March, have all been when the moon's the closest to the Earth, making it more powerful. Now, the moon has a mixed reputation. We get the word lunatic from the full moon. Right. It's that the full moons could create lunacy in people. You were told in medieval times, don't fall asleep under the light of the full moon or you'll go insane. 
into your dwelling and it was hitting you, the old idea was you would go insane. Um, the, the moon's light would drive you crazy. Um, so we get the old adage of werewolves and, and, and right. things happen. Now, you can call hospital workers and talk to them, and you can talk to police workers, and they're going to tell you when there's a full yeah. moon, oh, yeah. they things go Crime crazy. Goes up. Right, yeah. But they're more active. They're, they have often more intense crimes, more violent crimes, more intense uh, bleeding, more intense situations uh, in the emergency room. So what happens is there is a dark side to the full moon because it means nature at its greatest point of power and its greatest intensity of power. So there's an intenseness with the full moon that you don't get at other times. And it does stir up energy. And in right. fact, when we have super full moon, it has such a pull on the earth being that much closer that scientists have been able to measure the earth in some areas have bulged upward as much as six feet. Now, we're not aware of it because wow. the earth is living on it, but the whole surface can be pulled upwards um, as much as six wow. feet. The whole surface Man. from the moon. And it can create super tides, huge tidal movements because the water is being pulled up in greater amounts. But look at how right. much fluid we have in our body, the consistency of fluidicness inside of right. us being pulled upon by the full moon. That's being pulled right. upward brain and our head. Um, so it can and does affect people, and it can be negative. It, 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 it's a high, intense energy. Right. doesn't mean it is negative. It can be. But right. what you notice is what doctors and medical workers, policemen and police chiefs will tell you Nurses. is when they see it going on in society. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? It, it's so how about well you said that uh, that the, also we kind of forget I think that or I feel that you know in August we had that what was it the solar eclipse and that was that lasted six months to a year doesn't it Ron and some yeah, of those things were that eclipse. Some give that a whole year because it occurred over the United States and I would not argue with them I would say okay. I know it for sure would last for six months, so it would have ended by January, I'm sorry, February 21st, because it was August 21st. However, to say that it's still going on till this summer is not beyond the realm of logic for that, because that was a very powerful activated eclipse that occurred, and the first one visible in um, 99 years in our country, because the last one happened in 1918. Um, so what's wow. interesting, uh, I mean, we've had solar eclipses, but we never had a coast-to-coast -coast eclipse since 1918. So what's wow. interesting is that one was a powerful uh, eclipse, and that's why it was called America's Eclipse, because um, it didn't cross the path of any other country. Now, the one in 1918 crossed all across the U.S., but it also incurred on the Bahamas. So the Bahamas were also partly eclipsed with that one 100 years ago, so it wasn't only America or the United States. Um, so what's interesting is we've got this power of an eclipse, and that one was a solar eclipse, so the sun and moon were sitting together. And uh, that's like a seed being planted in the ground, the beginning energy, the start of something, the launching pad of something. And then the full moon, which is just under two weeks later, is when things culminate, it's when things are at full germination and full growth. The seed has grown to full maturity, 
and that's when things are at its greatest intensity. Now, the old there was an old adage. We don't hear it anymore, so it may sound unusual for us, but the old adage was the light of the moon brings out the dark of the person. Um, so wow. the old answer was when there was a full moon, the dark side of us would come out, and that's what led to the idea of werewolves, people transforming into a werewolf at the time of the full moon, and it was the lunar light, the full moon, that made the transition happen. Um, and this was taken very, very seriously among cultures for centuries, that the, the light of the moon brings out the dark of the person. Wow. Well, and I wonder if that I wonder if that would would cause all this chaotic. Like, you know, I'm not. I you know, I hate to bring this up, and you know, everybody thinks it's all about me, and it is. But remember, it depends. Like, if you have Pluto in your first house, and I had Pluto in my first house, and when that got activated, it was the sign that something was going to die, right? And that was my dog. Yeah, you had that lunar eclipse hit your Pluto exactly, Bonnie. It was on the same degree as your birth Pluto. Yeah. And so that's why they saw Chile leaving the Earth plane in December, you know, or j actually February, February 26th. So he, you yeah, know, was Ron said it. The, I mean, yeah. the calendar was away from the new moon. So, so, and you too. So, what I'm saying, Kelly, and not bringing it back to the most satisfying, well, wasn't the most satisfying, but it was kind of, I lost one of my family members, my fairy family members, mm -hmm. is that your friends who are, who, are having and you hear about all this chaos that's going on they you don't know what's in their house either pluto could be somewhere right. you know you never know where yeah. that person is being activated which is kind of cool about you know about what's happening with astrology you can only say broad spectrum that that this is going on but you know ron right. i i want to tell you, do you how old are you can you tell uh, kelly wants to bring your two cards to you today and since we're not doing angel we're, we're, we've got like angels angels kind of I want her to give you your reading while you're on so she knows your birthday but what's you, how old are you or your birth year I'm going to turn this year uh, what, what you are right now today um, right now I'm 67 67 okay Ha ha, I'm just a little younger than you. But you know what? I have to tell you this, Ron. I have to tell you, we're exactly seven years apart. Now now listen to this. Seven years is a soul number. And that means that we were connected soul in, in, in our soul family. And seven is a Saturn number. It means Saturn makes an aspect unto itself every seven years. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Saturn, every, I want nothing to do with years, Saturn. Thank you. Saturn, Saturn square, and then they have one when they're 14 with Saturn opposition. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, while you're looking that up, I don't want to override your comments about the cards. I just want to mention that uh, another intensity isn't just these uh, super moons that have been close to the Earth. We also have a heavy number of planets in Capricorn, Saturn sign. In January, there was a period in mid-January where we had six planets in Capricorn. Then there was a period in February in which we had five planets in Capricorn. And coming up in about um, a little over a week, we're going to have four planets in Capricorn. 
We're going to have the moon in Capricorn, Mars in Capricorn, Saturn in Capricorn, and Pluto in Capricorn. Three of those are in Capricorn right now. The moon is in Virgo today, but when the moon goes into Capricorn, we'll have four. So we've been having heavy, heavy, heavy Capricorn transits since the beginning of the year. And so that could be the reason uh -huh. people are having a lot of uh, that, that uh, sun. Up you see yeah. Oh, I can't also, take that Saturn. Saturn's in Capricorn for the first time since 1990. It was there from about late 1987 till 1990. And um, this is a no-nonsense Saturn. This is a, a cut-through-all-the-facade type of Saturn. This is a cut-and-dry Saturn, Saturn in Capricorn. It's a pretty, it's in its own sign. It's very, very powerful, and it's in a... It's got a no-nonsense, no more fooling around type of energy about it being in Capricorn. So what does that mean for us right now? Well, it means that we are in a very, uh, well, Saturn in Capricorn doesn't have to be bad. It was in Capricorn in 1959, 1960, 61. John F. Kennedy was elected and we went to an era called Camelot uh, with um, Saturn in Capricorn. Then it was there again, 19, late 1987, 88, 89, and into 1990, and now it's there again. Um, and what happens is this time it's got Pluto in Capricorn and other planets ganging up on Capricorn, which it did not have in the late 50s and early 60s, did not have in the uh, late 80s to 1990. Yeah, but Pluto is death and reconstruct uh, uh, the, the death and reverse they're not they're in the same sign but they're in different ends of the sign Saturn won't catch up to Pluto until January 12 2020 so not this January but the year after that January 12 2020 Saturn and Pluto will be ah! lining up 23 degrees Capricorn doesn't that mean death and destruction, Ron, and rebirth? Well, that's pretty intense. Uh, astrologers all over the world are writing articles about this, studying it, looking into it, looking at its meaning and timing, because Saturn is in its own sign, very powerful. And uh, Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008. The moment it got into Capricorn, we had the financial crisis, we have the drop in real estate values. We had the banking crisis. We have the change in companies and businesses going under and scandal. That's what was that financial disruptor, Pluto, going into Capricorn. And that was predicted by astrologers for years before 2008. And now people are finding wow. their old articles from 2000, 2002, 2005, 2001, all talking about this upcoming period, and they hit the nail on the head because they knew Pluto was going into Capricorn. Well, it's still there. It's not going to leave right away. Um, Saturn entered Capricorn only on December 20th. So it's only been there now, what, going on three months, uh, a little over three months. And it's going to be in Capricorn until the year 2020 and more in the second half of the year. So it's got a lot of time yet in this sign. Wow. Wow. Oh, you know. Do you have his card, Candy? I do. I have I have yeah. I have several here. <laughs> All right, you go. I have several. 
I'm thinking again because Um, what I'm going to start off with here really quick is your long-range cards for this year. And this is this is the card that it has an influence for the entire year. Not that the others don't, but it's um, the other ones can have um, an influence to a lesser degree. But you have the Ten of Diamonds, which is also called the Blessed card. But it deals with uh, where you're dealing with, you're focusing on large sums of money. And somehow this year you'll be thinking about money a lot. It's likely to be a large sum of money. It does not guarantee that you're actually going to earn or get a large sum of money. It's just that you may be involved in some sort of um, um, event where there is a large sum to deal with, but it may not necessarily be yours. It could be related to, I don't know, estate, work, um, divorce, any number of other reasons. In some cases, it indicates much money being made. It's not certain, but it is certain you'll be thinking about money a lot this year. The key words for the entire year is a year of dealing with large sums of money or the concept of large sums of money possible huge financial success. So it's like there, and somehow or other finances have been, I'll just say, probably on your mind a lot this year in one way or another. Now, it's interesting because where you're at right now, you literally have like about two or three days left during your Saturn time, which started February 8th. And the shift comes on April 1st because you're going to go into Uranus. And what I'm going to do is there, there in Saturn you had two really um, powerful cards. You had an Eight of Spades and a Ten of Hearts. Tens of Hearts are typically um, about relationships or about people who support you. And somehow whether there may be ten people around you who are um, you know, giving you moral support or, you know, or, or have your back in some way. Um, the eight of spades, yep. <laughs> the eight of spades is a power is a power card in um, uh, first where where I have is like office and like job career, um, but it is the power card of power cards because it's it's like the Trump suit. So uh, even though Saturn is a harder time in your year to deal with, you've come through this really well because these two cards are extremely powerful as eights and tens. Now, where you're going to, this is really cool because the Uranian time period is kind of like a breath of fresh air after Saturn, which can seem kind of heavy and constrictive. The two cards you have there is a Jack of Hearts and a Four of Diamonds. The Jack of Hearts, interestingly enough, now if you know people who are um, have that birth card, which I know you do because Bonnie's daughter is a Jack of Hearts herself. So in that sense, you may have some dealings with her in this Uranian period. Um, and of course, because Uranus is, you know, philanthropy, it's a sign that, you know, it's the planet that rules Aquarius and it's about humanity and it's about, um, you know, just kind of, kind of good works, so I'll put it that way. Um, the message for that, with that, okay, come on, where did Jack go? With the Jack of Hearts being in that time, it's a beneficial influence for giving selflessly of yourself in your work or community and spiritual service. There is a strong spiritual influence present in your life. It can inspire you to act with higher integrity or encourage you to make some personal sacrifices in some way. You may have decided to relinquish some part of your personal freedom or individuality or give up some acquaintances all in the name of truth and the good of others. Um, uh, let's see. If you know people, any heart males, you know, if, if you know other people's birth cards, um, any males that have a heart card may be it may be an uncertain time and it's just it's you know best to keep an open friendship with them let them go their way don't worry about it type of thing uh just let them be who they are now the four of diamonds with that underlying jack uh 
in the Iranian period. It's a really good money card. It indicates money made through labor, real estate, humanitarian efforts, or futuristic technology. It can represent an unusual or unexpected income of money. Your efforts will bring gains at this time. It brings a good, uh, good relationships with coworkers, uh, large institutions, which might be a source of financial gain for you now. In general, you'll be feeling satisfied with your financial situation. It's a really wow. strong grounding force, yeah, that will bring satisfaction in this period, regardless of what card may appear as the other one. And the other one is no slouch. It's really good. The net and overall result of this period is going to be satisfaction and contentment. So that's that's all say for the next uh, next 52 days because Uranus goes from April 1st until May 22nd for you. And then thank you for and that. Then, because Uranus is connected to astrology in my mind, and that it's um, a lot of experiences and energies of the of the next cycle coming up. And it's going to be good that I had this reading at the ending of the Saturn period instead of at the beginning. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know, but you know what? Ron's like me when he hears Saturn. It's six planets from us. It's like, oh, yeah, I know. We want to just cry is all I have to say. But I am. I, I can I ask a question? And because, and I know you know Ron's probably just going to want to hear it because we do only have twelve minutes left. I am not going to be able to get too sure. many more people. But can you also tell Ron in his birth? time, which would be my birth time, even though it's not the same year, could you tell him what card he has, what does he have coming up just to, you know, the next 52 days, and that way he can include his birthday in there. Okay, um, that's what I'm saying, the, the Neptune time goes from May 23rd until your birthday, and that one is the two of clubs. Neptune um, can be kind of a what, what I call a dicey one, because there's it's like the dreamy, it can be fantasy. Um, the way I've heard it described is you have to be careful in Neptune because if you have the rose-colored glasses on, what may seem you know, a really nice daydream, you take those rose-colored glasses off and it can become a nightmare. So <laughs> you want to be cautionary in the Neptune time period, uh, which is the 50 days right before your birthday. Um, it does, it's the two clubs, it's communications and it's fear and arguing. So I say bear in mind this doesn't start till like May 23rd. But if you're traveling at this time, you may meet one or more people who you have um, a lot in common with intellectually. You might meet somebody who's well-traveled, uh, with who you share a lot of interests, and have one or more pleasant meetings. In general, it's a good influence for sharing uh, of intellectual pursuits and making new friends, especially if that's something you've been dreaming about. Um, it can also indicate secret fears you may be having about things that affect you off and on for the entire year. If so, the things you are afraid of will probably never happen, but you're going to have to keep a positive attitude to compensate for those negative psychic impressions. Okay, so this is, you know, this is about the power of the mind because two is about partnership and it's about mind power. Now, what is coming up for, um, if you're asking, I, I think this is what you're asking, Bonnie, about the, the, the next year coming up to his 68th year, is that right? So it's like, well, so just after his birthday? Yeah, just those 52, yeah, just, just the 52 days that include his birthday. Includes birthday. Okay. Um, because the Mercury, yeah, because the Mercury time, um, when your birthday is, is when you actually start what's called a Mercury. It's 52 days of Mercury time. But what is going to be interesting about uh, the long, his long range card is going to change from the Ten of Diamonds, that blessed card, to that Eight of Spades, which is a power card. 
So he's going to really have some powerful, yeah, powerful things happening. And what I'm looking at here really quick is he's got three of the eights in his in his cards for his 68th year. He's got the eight of spades in long range. He's got the eight of diamonds in his Pluto, which is like the challenge of the question card. Um, and then he's got as a result card, because they're a pair of Pluto and result um, card or pair, is the four of spades, which is like the hard work card or the workaholic card. The other one he's got is in Mercury. He's got the eight of hearts, so there's a lot of emotional power. So he's got three of the eight power cards in in the the in his um, cards for his 68th year, so after his birthday. Wow, so, that's perfect. a lot of a lot, a lot of really good, cool things that happen in there, but it's like, but don't give up on this, on the Ten of Diamonds Blessed card because he's still got that um, coming up all the way up to his birthday. So it's like, it's it's That's a year true. of a lot of blessings. Thank wow. you so much. And I, I was following everything you were saying and absorbing it all. Um, Bonnie, there's something you and I need to be aware of, and that is the day before our birthday, there's a major solar eclipse. So it's hitting your oh. <laughs> this year, um, it's going to be in your Neptune. July wow. 15th, the major solar eclipse at 20 degrees of Cancer, and that's this summer. Now, next year, 2016, there's a lunar eclipse on July 15th or 16th. So there are two wow. eclipses uh, this summer and the next summer that are occurring right by our birth date. Holy Listen, mind. I can't take any more eclipses. 2019 is a solar eclipse. Well, 2019 <laughs> is a lunar eclipse. It's going to be in Capricorn. It'll be affecting Capricorn, not so much Cancer. But the one this summer is affecting Cancer because the sun and moon come together on uh, July 13th, and they form an eclipse. A lunar uh, eclipse is the one in 2019. A solar eclipse is the one in 2019. 18. So we have a solar eclipse, and it's going to be in Cancer 20 degrees this summer. And that will last to a year. Ron, I can't take another solar eclipse. I lost the family member already. (laughs) Am I going to still have Pluto? Am I going to still have Pluto in my first house? No, no, no. That one's on Pluto. That eclipse happened in August of last year. This one's on your sun. This is connected to power. This is connected to management. This is connected it's to leadership. It's going to be good stuff, Bonnie. <laughs> this is connected to soul empowerment, soul growth. This yes. is connected to the to the power principle from outside of you and inside of you. Um, this is connected to the sun energy in your life. Um, the other eclipse is on Pluto, and it produced that passing. In, that's what Pluto does. It's very famous for producing people leaving or animals or living things leaving the physical world. Right. Yes. Well, listen, maybe on my solar eclipse, one of my children will be engaged or married or even meeting someone. How about that? <laughs> that's possible, but it's still going to affect your power and your administration and your leadership and your talent and your strength of self, and your energy, um, it's a very positive eclipse for all of those. That would be fabulous. Maybe some radio or TV channel will find me, and we'll all be famous. That's that what Anyone listening now needs to remember that in case they have connections for Bonnie, because that's very <laughs> important for her. That's right. right. I, any, I am very good with connections. Anybody that wants to put me on NBC, ABC, or CBS, Bravo, or 
TV, a travel channel or any of that, I'm ready. So uh, I that will be that will be a great solar eclipse if anybody if anybody knows anybody that that wants me to be on their television show, which I would be absolutely fabulously grateful for. So, but you know what I think to myself, guys, this show is so good that they'd be lucky to have this on their channel. And I've always looked at it like that. So maybe you know that's I've always looked at that we have a great great show. We have great people. We have great information. And I love everybody that's here. I only have five minutes left, so I kind of want to tell everybody what's coming up, you guys, so just hold on. But again, you've been listening to Ron Colt. You've been listening to Kelly and Kelly Coulter. She is our angel angel. We are going on vacation for two weeks, absolutely the time when Mercury is in retrograde. So I get to good time to take let, off. <laughs> yeah, I, I get to let everybody. Well, actually, I'm doing a redo. I was just in Charleston, so I'm going back to Charleston. So that should be a great thing, Ron, right? Because I'm going back to somebody where I was. So That's perfect. I love that. Yeah, and, I, and although Lauren and Art weren't, but but I was. So the whole good thing is that I'm going to be able to put these shows on uh, replay. And hopefully you'll all, if you haven't heard the show or you know people who haven't, that you can go back into the archives that Kelly is so wonderful to tell everybody about and listen <laughs> to the archives. And I'm actually going to play some of the archive uh, recent shows in the next two weeks. Please join me. I'm coming back the week of the 15th, which is Mercury will be direct. And we are all Yay. going to move forward, yes, in fabulous, fabulous fashion. So I want to thank you both. I want to thank you, Ron. This is Dr. Ron Cole. He's an astrologist. If you want, and he's going to, to be back on with us regularly, right? He's he's going to come and join us on a regular basis, right? So we don't have to miss him. Yes. Yeah, I totally hope so. Yeah, I totally hope so. To talk about like today, we have a lot to share. Yeah. Yes, and 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 I do want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank everybody for joining us. And because we didn't really get to the phone lines too much, please join us again when Ron Cole is on. Speaking astrology, if you have any questions in astrology, please bring them to us when Ron comes back. Kelly reads Atlantean Life and Birth Heart. She is here also. She's a regular, and she is fabulous wealth of information and help. Ron, you also were one of the ones that taught Tarot. Remember when you taught the Tarot here? So hopefully that will be coming in the future back again. And uh, I just want to tell everybody, if you want your chart done, if you want every single aspect of the breadth of your life, what your North Node's doing, your South Node's doing, who you're going to marry, and how many people are you going to marry? I always love to see that seventh house. And all kinds of information that is so pertinent to your life, please get a hold of Ron. Again, I will give you his information. Please email him at livingastro, L-I-V-I-N-G-A-F, as in Sam, T-R-O, livingastro at AOL.com. And in the subject line, put reading. He gets a lot of emails. He would never want to miss your email, especially 
if you want to do a progression, you want to get your birth chart done. And he is wonderful. Oh my gosh. It is so worth it. I, I can't wait for my, I want to do my progression every month, but it is a year progression. But you know, with my mind, I never remember, even though he does give you your own personal uh, uh, MP3. So you can listen to it all the time. Cool. And he also gives you the chart that goes with it. So everyone, if you uh, would like at that reading with Ron, he does many different things. Uh, please get a hold of him. Kelly, you know I love you. You rock the house every time you're on also. And we will be, you're not ready to to give how to get. When <laughs> not quite. We're still working on that. It's slow. <laughs> yeah, because people want to get a hold of you too. So I want to thank both of you. I want to thank you, Ron, from all of us out there who love astrology, who absolutely feel you're a plethora of knowledge and we can't do without you. Please come back and join us again. And Kelly, you rock the house. Thank you, everyone, for being here. I will see you again the week of April 15th. Fabulous, you, fabulous holiday. You're welcome. Have a fabulous holiday. Yes, thank you. you. So good to be here with you. Thank you, Kelly, for the great reading. I really appreciate it. That was very interesting. Cool. Thank you. Go, I, hope, I, I, I hope it helps. <laughs> Well, you know what, Kelly, insight. you got to get a hold of Ron and Ron get a hold of Kelly because the two of you should be talking astro anyway. For everybody out there, whatever you, whatever you celebrate, always be in peace, love, and harmony. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. Happy everything out there. And let love and light and peace guide your way. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.